Welcome to the Refresh and Restore Weekly Devotion, brought to you by JustKeithHarris.com. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you are refreshed and restored through our Bible study today. Welcome to the first Refresh and Restore podcast of 2022. Today we'll be kicking things off with a standalone study looking at 1 Peter 5, 5 through 7. We'll be reading it today from the English Standard Version. It says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. Greetings, Sojourners. I'm excited to begin writing again and doing these podcasts as we set off into 2022. I had intended our first Bible study together to be out of the book of Colossians, uh, but a thought struck me yesterday and kicked this off in my head, and it's going to delay our start to studying Colossians until next week. I want to begin with a question. What comes to mind when you think of the hand of God? Some think of the picture you can see if you look on the website at the written version of this. It's taken from the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel in Rome. In that painting, you can see a depiction of Adam. It's the hand on the left and God the Father on the right reaching out toward one another. You'll notice that the hands just do not quite meet up. They're reaching towards one another. Some argue that Adam is reaching out to God, but unable to grasp his hand, either because of sin or inability or whatever. Others argue that it symbolizes God trying to reach out to Adam, but not quite making the grasp himself. But there are other perspectives on the hand of God than just Michelangelo's mural on that ceiling. There are some that see the hand of God as a tool of vengeance. They see it poised for a good smacking when all his little children get wayward. Some who hold this view wish for God to strike people down with a mix of Old Testament fury and some Zeus-like lightning bolts. This is a hand that's hard and calloused, ready to strike and represent a definitively angry and wrathful God. There are others who view the hand of God like those European-looking Jesus shepherd paintings and pictures, hands that have nothing but soft, cushiony care as they caress the little lambs in their grasp. These hands would never strike, nor would they ever need to, because they represent a God of only love, no anger whatsoever. Yet when the image and thought of the hand of God came to my mind, it brought with it the scripture that we read from 1 Peter. And so as we study this particular passage today, 
it's my prayer that you see God in accordance with his word and not by any alternative points of view, no matter how lofty they might appear. Context. To understand today's passage, you need to look at the context of the book of 1 Peter, and especially the context of the paragraph and chapter where it's found. 1 Peter is a letter to, as it says in chapter 1, verse 1, the elect exiles of the dispersion, a group of people who were likely dispersed due to persecution, maybe even those who were forced to leave Jerusalem after the stoning of Stephen when Paul was Saul in Acts 8.1. These were believers, many of which were probably Jewish, who had been forced to leave their homes in the land they had grown up in. They were afraid and felt alone. They needed to be reminded that God knew who they were and had a plan for their lives, and that even in their suffering and troubles, he cared for them. Peter lays out for them how to conduct themselves with fear throughout the time of their exiles and reminded them that even though they once were not a people and had previously not received mercy, that now they were God's people. Now they had received mercy. He talked to them about what it meant to be sojourners and exiles and at the same time be children of God and citizens of heaven. It's where we started the devotions with so- greetings sojourners. It's a letter of good news in the midst of a lot of bad news. Peter reminds them of the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ alone and the hope of eternity with him. He reminds them through many specific instances that the gospel of Jesus Christ gives hope in every area of their lives from the tyrannical governments they were suffering under to their relationships and daily lives. That's good news for us, too. Today's passage is part of 1 Peter 5, which begins talking to the elders who were shepherding the flock of God, the local churches where these exiles were living. He wrote to the pastors of these local churches and talked to them about how they should serve. He reminded them that they were to shepherd in such a way that as he says in 1 Peter 5, 4, when the chief shepherd appears, that is, when Jesus appears, they would have exhibited his love, care, instruction, and correction as he would have. And here's how he says it in 1 Peter 5, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in their charge, but being examples to the flock. You see, The pastors were to be examples because of the same sort of example. It says, likewise, in 5.5, that's to be followed in the relationships of the generations within the church as the young are to be subject to the elders. That's both the pastors and the older, more mature leaders, the disciplers in the churches, following the same pattern that Christ gave us in his gospel. The beautiful thing about this is God uses the imagery of the hand of God 
to show us what this is supposed to be like. Humility versus mighty. Sometimes there's a fine line between humility, being humbled, and humiliation. Many people who define themselves as humble are everything but that. Some people get too big for their proverbial britches and need to be humbled or brought back into reality. But for others, there comes a time where their lives end up at a screeching halt because their pride has written a check too big for their riches to cash. Then comes humiliation. A force greater than them applies pressure and knocks them down a peg. We often cheer at those who do the knocking down and jeer at those who find themselves in the humiliation that, in our humble or not so humble opinions, is much needed and deserved. Peter's advice, which is really the Holy Spirit's advice since this is scripture, is that the way the church needs to be subject to each other, and especially to God, is for them to clothe themselves with humility toward one another. He clarifies that this is not just something that they should have to do. He says to them, all of you, which goes from the pastor back to the back pew. To back this up, he quotes from Proverbs 3.34, and reminds them that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That proverb sounds like a tough warning from a stern God, but really it's a proverb of pleading. It's a reminder of our need of grace and how dangerous a distractor our pride is, especially when we need to repent of our sin. This is seen in the command that Peter follows up with in the next paragraph. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. If we hold to one of the views of the hand of God that we looked at earlier, this can be a frightening image. If it's the hand from the Sistine Chapel, we can't reach it, nor can he reach us. It leaves us hopeless instead of humble. If it's the hand hurling lightning bolts and smacking sinners around, we can hope for humiliation and hurt instead of help. In the weak and soft hands of the European shepherd, the hero we need is nowhere to be found. See, the mighty hand of God that Peter tells these exiles, these sojourners about is different altogether. The call is not to humble oneself out of fear or shame. It's to humble oneself in recognition of the hand of the mighty God of the Bible. It's the same mighty hand that we see in Deuteronomy 3.24 that Moses spoke over that represented God's greatness and begged the question, what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such works and mighty acts as God's? It's the hand of God from 2 Chronicles 30.12 that was on Judah to give them one heart to do what was commanded by the word of the Lord. It's the good hands of God from Ezra 7, 9, that were on Ezra when he got to leave Babylon and come home to Jerusalem. The same hand of God 
from Nehemiah 2.18 that Nehemiah said had been upon him for God had given him strength in the hands of those involved in the good work of rebuilding Jerusalem after returning from Babylon. The same hand that we see in Psalm 10.12 that, that Israel was taught to sing of that God would lift up his hand and forget not the afflicted. It was the same hand that was upon Jeremiah in Jeremiah 15, 18 that filled him with indignation, anger. The same hand that was raised at God's enemies to strike them down. Yes, the same hands that the writer of Hebrews wrote of when he said it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God in Hebrews 10, 31. So which hand is reaching out to the humbled in 1 Peter 5. The reality is that it's the same hands. The hand that punishes is the same hand that protects. The same hand that strikes also saves. All of God's attributes work together in harmony. He's everything the Word says about Him, not just whichever one we choose. And this is the reason we humble ourselves. We recognize that God is greater. We recognize our sin as we recognize our need for the Savior. We humble ourselves because our pride can't earn us heaven as we've fallen short of the glory of God. And we realize that the wages of our sin, all that we can earn or accomplish is death. And it's in that humbling that we submit to him, that we are willing to subject to him as our Lord and Master. Peter's call for people to humble themselves under the mighty hand of God is to submit to him that he may exalt you, to lay down their lives at the offer and promise of his life and his righteousness. And the hand that reaches out, the mighty hand of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ is the hand of him who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, wrath, and love are intertwined in that mighty hand. Because you see, the same hand that reaches out to the humbled was the same one that was pierced for our transgressions. The God who people expect ready and waiting to smite the wicked with curses, uh, as it says in Galatians 3.13, redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. He's the God who loved us enough that he showed his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, dying for us to pay for the forgiveness of our sin. It says in Colossians 2.14, he saved sinners by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, nailing it to the cross. Oh, that's good news. God's mighty hand in you. You can look back at that picture from the Sistine Chapel. More frightening than any anger or weakness would be a God who would not or could not reach down at all. God not only reached down, but he came down and became flesh and dwelt among us, Jesus. 
He set the example of humility. Look at this passage from Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. That hand that reaches out to us, offering eternal life in the grandest gesture of love to ever be found, that hand that punishes wickedness and sin is the same hand that reaches out at the proper time to lift us up. It's not weak for forgiving, but even stronger. The same hand of care still shows strength, as Jesus said of those who are his, that he gives them eternal life, that they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of his hand. The mighty hand of God is better than the Sistine Chapel itself. It's stretched out in love to those who repent and believe in him. It represents the God who is not far off, but close enough for you to cast your anxieties on. It reached out because he cares for you. That's good news. Thank you. God bless. We thank you again for listening. You can find the written copy of this devotion, complete with links to the scripture passages that were cited throughout, on our website, JustKeithHarris.com, as well as other writings, projects, and Bible studies. Refresh and Restore is based out of Peter and John's sermon in Acts 3 and 4, specifically Acts chapter 4, verses 19 through 21, where Peter says, Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Unless otherwise noted, all scripture passages are cited from the English Standard Version. JustKeithHarris.com is affiliated with Christ Community Church in Grenada, Mississippi. If you would like to contact us, you may do so through our website.